You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Sunday night, we usually be coming to you about this time with a post-game show, but this is a our Shout Buffalo Football Podcast preview edition for the Monday night matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. I am Matt Perino, joined, all, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. We've got a game to talk about, but we also we also have a conference to talk about as you know this, this thing starts to really take shape, Ryan. And one of the big takeaways from... Not only today, but the last couple days here as you watch, um, you know, a bunch of football being played. One of my big takeaways so far is, man, if you're a Bills fan, how much are you sitting back watching all these games and just being thankful that Josh Allen is your quarterback? I mean, you look what's going on with Jared Goff right now. Uh, this is just the latest example. There's so much bad quarter play, quarterback play across the league. And on a day even when Patrick Mahomes struggled a little bit, um, you know, the Bills seem to be sitting pretty here in the AFC. Yeah, I agree with that completely. You know, look at your fantasy football rosters. You have Andy Dalton out playing uh, Patrick Mahomes this week. So that tells you everything about the, the quarterback landscape, at least this week. But, yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, Goff a few years ago looked like the next big thing at quarterback falling off a cliff, uh, at least in terms of his previous play. Maybe it was the system. Maybe defenses adjusted. Carson Wentz, same deal. Uh, we watched a lot of games this weekend where the quarterback play – has been abysmal. So the Bills should be really happy with, with the, this quarterback situation. And, and not just overall conference NFL, but look at the East just alone. Going into next year, and I, you know, I don't want to hit the fast forward button too far here, but the Bills are really the only team that are truly settled in, in terms of, hey, we know what we have in our guy at quarterback. The Dolphins still don't know what they have in, in Tua. Uh, they keep benching him every time he faces adversity, and, and it worked out last night. It put them firmly in this playoff picture. The Patriots do not have a quarterback right now, at least uh, from appearances going into 2021. And then obviously with the Jets, who knows what they're going to do, uh, you know, other than obviously extending Adam Gase after this hot streak that they're on, which I, I'm all for. Uh, no, in all <laughs> seriousness, who, who knows what's going to happen in the rest of this division at quarterback, but – 
the Bills are sitting there with Josh Allen and this play saying, hey, you know, we could have we could be running this division for a long time just based on the quarterback play alone. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the AFC playoff picture and kind of have some fun with that. If you have any uh, questions or comments, uh, definitely hit them up in the uh, comment section live right now on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, but we're going to dive a little bit into this game as well. Uh, 11 and three bills against the six and eight New England Patriots. And I'm, and I'm writing my preview story, Ryan, as we get ready for uh, this game tomorrow. And, you know, it, it had me, it has me feeling a, a certain type of way that this is kind of almost like more of a formality, if you will, than what I think most people thought would be a, a game with a lot of division implications. And I know Bills fans are sitting back like, whoa, 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 whoa. We are perfectly happy to have this be uh, of no consequence and uh, the division to already be wrapped up. But it just feels a little bit different. I, I felt like, you know, for years and years and years with the dynasty of New England, in the way that it was, it was building towards this seismic, epic uh, pass, uh, passing of the torch or changing of the guard, if you will. And it's almost like the Patriots have gone out with a little bit of a whimper with Tom Brady going down to Tampa Bay and the, this iteration of the Patriots team this year. I mean, their offense is just absolutely anemic. Yeah, it, they're very one-dimensional. Uh, you know, Cam Newton's had a few passing performances this year where he's played very well. You go all the way back to week two against Seattle. Uh, but we, we quickly found out how bad Seattle's passing uh, defense was during, you know, early on in the year, at least. Uh, he had a game against the Jets. He, he's had some games mixed in, but for the most part, he has struggled as a passer. And, and that has really made the Patriots offense hard to watch. And the, the marriage between Cam Newton and Josh McDaniels is just not a fit. Uh, it, it hasn't worked out, I'm sure, the way that they thought it would. And it really says a lot about Jarrett Stidham with the fact that here we are in a meaningless game for New England, and they're still not going to turn it over to their young quarterback uh, to see how he performs in live action. Now, obviously, Bill Belichick sees these quarterbacks every day in practice. Josh McDaniel sees them every day in practice. They know what they, they probably have. But you're going with a, a, a veteran quarterback in Cam Newton who probably does not have a future in New England after this year. I don't see why you would... Uh, go out of your way to bring him back based on his play, based on the, the fact that he really isn't much of a passer anymore at this point in his career. Uh, so it, it, you're right. I think going out with a whimper is a, is a great way of putting it. Now, uh, the Patriots were already a little bit behind the eight ball going into the season, not making excuses for them. They had some significant players on the defensive side of the ball opt out. Uh, as the year has gone on, uh, they, they learned that Newton wasn't the answer at quarterback. They just lost Stephon Gilmore again, so the Bills won't have to worry about their number one cornerback. So it, it's just looking like the, the Patriots could be entering these last few weeks just trying to maybe position themselves for a better draft pick uh, more than anything else, which is unusual to say. You know, part of me wonders if maybe there isn't a bit of protection at play here when it comes to not turning things over to Jarrett Stidham because of how bad this offense is and the type of defense that the Bills have, the experience that they have, the defensive play callers that they have. And, you know, throwing Jarrett Stidham into this kind of situation, it could maybe, there might be just a level of like, let's not like uh, totally uh, take away his confidence here in in a spot where we're not getting anything. Yeah, sure, we we would like to get maybe a longer look at him, but you know, to your point, there there also could be something in play. Like maybe enough has happened this year to convince them 
that maybe he is not the guy because as bad as Cam has played at, in certain spots this season, for them to keep going back to Cam, I think tells you maybe all you need to know about Jared Stidham. The fact that they're not playing him in this game probably tells you something. And, you know, it's probably their best chance to win this game. And, you know, they're not really playing for draft position at this point. They're going to be kind of in the middle of the pack. Their best chance to win this game is Cam Newton, his familiarity with uh, Sean McDermott. Uh, a lot of the guys on this on this Carolina defense, he mentioned it in his, his press availability this week. Mario Addison, Josh Norman, um, AJ Klein from you know they were together in, in Carolina a bit. So I think that there's there there. I think Bill Belichick's still you know kind of a crotchety old guy that's going to want to go into this game with with his pride and win this game and kind of be a thorn in the side. And and one of the storylines going into this game, I, I talked a little bit about it on Buffalo Kickoff Live today is. You know, for as, as many hurdles as Josh Allen has cleared this year and as many good defenses and defensive coordinators as he's really frustrated this year, you go back to that game, uh, you know, in week, week eight, and I know they leaned on the run game, and I know that Mitch Morse went on the first drive, and there was all these little factors, but Josh Allen threw it 18 times for 154 yards, 60% completion percentage, probably one of his less impressive performances of the year. I think that's still a, a bar that, you know, he wants to jump over. And that is, you know, having a good game against the Bill Belichick defense. I think that's fair because uh, going into, I guess you could go all the way back to last year, the second game against the Patriots, Josh Allen had really struggled against them. Uh, you're talking 48, 49% completion percentage, uh, one touchdown to five interceptions. Then something kind of clicked in that game last year, the, the primetime game, he had two touchdowns, and it still was hovering around that 50% completion percentage, but he played a little bit better. And in this first game this year, week eight, like you said, it was a very modest stat line uh, because, like you said, you, they leaned on the run game. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary were very effective. But Josh Allen probably does want to go out there and have one of those performances similar to what he's done for most of the year. And I'm not saying he has to throw for 350 or 400, uh, but, you know, 250 plus. Uh, more, you know, a, a clean touchdown interception ratio. He threw a really bad interception in that week eight game. Uh, his, his lone interception was, was a pretty bad one. So yeah, little things like that, he probably does want to check off of his list, sweep the Patriots, show that this isn't, you know, the same old team or the same old Bills or the same old Josh Allen, the, the Allen that would throw into triple coverage. Uh, the Bills on paper have every... I want to say that they're the favorite in almost every category coming into this game just because of the way that they're playing right now. Um, obviously, a lot more weapons on offense. Defense is playing better. They're, they're getting closer and closer to having all of their playmakers back. We may see John Brown, something we can talk about here in a little bit. But you still need to see it. And if Josh Allen can get over this hurdle, I think this is like the last thing you want to see out of him before the playoffs in terms of, okay, that's like the only thing we really haven't seen from Josh Allen is him dominate a Bill Belichick defense. He outsmarted Belichick. He went up to the line a lot. He, he uh, made a lot of audibles in that week eight matchup, and he was making the right plays in terms of checking out to a run or the plays that he was making. But like you said, that stat line does not look anything like most of Allen's other stat lines this season. Um, Zach Sheldon, our guy from Trainwreck Sports, shout out to him watching over on Facebook. Uh, said Diggs had 60% of the yardage in that game. Uh, from Allen, if you if you don't have him in that game, who knows what happens? And that's that's totally true. And 
I, I actually put in my key to the game because we're doing a Buffalo kickoff live tomorrow, a special Monday night edition. And that was my, that, that's going to be it. It's, it's continued to feed digs. We've seen in the last two weeks, Ryan, you know, the target share that, that Stefan Diggs has gotten, you know, as he's already established himself as that bona fide number one playmaker, it, it hasn't mattered. I mean, against good defenses, against Pittsburgh, against Denver, they have gotten the ball to Stefan Diggs consistently and he continues to make plays. Um, I think that you can continue to do that, especially to your point with, with Stefan Gilmore out of it, uh, not going to play in this game. And when you were talking about that a little while ago, I, I got to thinking about last year's game in week 16 and i'm wondering as they're breaking down film in the in the in the patriots uh you know meeting rooms this year i wonder what they do when that john brown play comes up if stefan dig or stefan gilmore asked them to maybe fast forward it a little bit <laughs> yeah speed through that play a little bit absolutely it's going to be interesting because the one thing that belichick has always done well not just against the bills but in general is take away your best weapon and obviously stefan Diggs is buffalo's best weapon but no gilmore J.C. Jackson, though, is no slouch at cornerback. So maybe it's just a one-on-one matchup there. Maybe you put Jackson against uh, Buffalo's number two if it is John Brown returning, and maybe you double-team digs. Whatever the case may be, it's going to be interesting to see that that chess game, I guess, between the Patriots and the Bills. But I think that Diggs has shown enough this year that it doesn't matter who you put on him. If you're playing in zone, if you're playing in man, he can get open. If it's zone, he knows where to sit. He knows... Uh, how to get open, wh- where to you know sit down so Allen can find him to get those quick seven, eight yards, and he can kind of back in and, and get a first down. If it's man-to-man, you can turn anyone around. I don't care how good they are. So you, you do want to feed him. He's your number one receiver. Uh, he's number one in the league or was number one in the league entering this week for a reason. So get him involved. Make sure Cole Beasley keeps playing a big role for this team. He's been another major focal point in the passing offense. And if you get John Brown back, start working him in as well, because you want to see all three of those guys out there on the field uh, for the majority of your snaps come wild card weekend. Uh, and you want to make sure that they're all on the same page. I want to jump over to the defensive side of the ball before we do. Um, Scott asked a question, and I don't know if I mentioned it at the top of the show. Forgive me. We are the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. And Scott on Facebook uh, brings up a, a good topic earlier tonight. The Bills announced that TJ Yeldon uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, he's been put in the COVID uh, reserve COVID list, and he obviously will not be uh, traveling or playing in the game. It brings up an interesting point, and you know, you, you wonder about the contacts and the fact that just TJ Yeldon is going on the reserve COVID list probably is a good sign from a, a contact tracing perspective. Usually, it, as we saw in Cleveland today, uh, Baker Mayfield really struggling without any of his wide receivers. I mean, kind of tough to watch at times in that first half. You know, there was a lot of guys, you know, the wide receivers, no wide receiver actually even popped. It was it was a linebacker, and, and the four wide receivers were contact tracing um, uh associates if you will that you know had to get put on uh the reserve list you know tj yeldon going on without anybody else is is definitely a good sign but you know you go back to you know a couple days ago you posted a story a really cool story where you know isaiah mckenzie and all the wide receivers you know surprised chad hall at the uh, at his residence uh with a brand new truck and you know super cool story christmas gift they've all spoken so highly of chad hall and the impact that he's had on them but you know nobody's wearing masks they're all together I I get it. I mean, trust me, like it's a cool moment. Like you hate even looking at it through this prism, but you know, if any of those guys had COVID there, I mean, you, you kind of, uh, you know, 
fear the worst what could happen if any of them did and you know any of these little situations now we're, we're creeping towards the the finish line and you know you saw what happened to cleveland if that happens to a team in the playoffs it is going to be catastrophe yeah a catastrophe it would really put a, a damper on the playoffs in terms of almost putting an asterisk next to it in terms of if it's a legitimate contender, if you're missing an entire wide receiver room or four, you know, four guys like the Browns were today, it's definitely something that you don't want to get yourself in that position. And you're right. Really cool story. But there's also a reason why Isaiah McKenzie pulled that off of of his social media. Most likely I'm sure they've heard about it since, Uh, but maybe, maybe this was the reminder that they needed saying, listen, guys, we we can't go out and and do these types of things. We have to be smart about it. We are AFC champions. We are in position to make a run in this conference this year. So we got to make sure that we aren't putting ourselves in any uh, situation where we do damage to our own team in terms of, you know, positive COVID tests, sitting out the contact tracing, uh, because like you said, it, it's kind of a domino effect. One player gets it, all of a sudden you could have four to five players out because of the uh, players that are in close proximity in meetings out on the practice field. So the the Bills, just like every other team, have to do their due diligence. Let's get into John Brown a little bit here, because um, like I did, like I mentioned, we're going to get into the defense a little bit because there's a, a specific storyline this week with this game I want to talk about. But, you know, John Brown getting infused back in potentially. So he's still on injured reserve. The Bills have until 4 p.m. tomorrow to activate him. They they cut Jake Kumaro, who, you know, obviously made uh, quite an impression as he was signed off of waivers by the New Orleans Saints. They're dealing with an injury to their star wide receiver, Michael Thomas. So uh, he could, you know, as early as next week, maybe get some work in in, in New Orleans. He had a nice goodbye uh, to Mil- Bill's Mafia. It seemed to really fit in this room. And it's definitely somebody to watch maybe in the offseason if they'd like to bring him back. But um, th- the move to me signified that John Brown is, is getting pretty close. He was out of practice all week. Uh, he looked good when I saw him on Thursday. And so let's look at this next, these next few games, Ryan, what's the goal with John Brown? Is it about building continuity? Do you bring him back slowly? What's your expectation if he is on the field uh, tomorrow night? Well, uh, it all depends on where they feel he is. I mean, if he's in practice and he looks good, he's a hundred percent, then I don't think you, you limit him whatsoever. I think you get him out there and say, listen, we already know you have that chemistry with Josh Allen. It was on display last season where he went over a thousand yards uh, you were the number one wide receiver on this team, but get him out there so that way you can see the potential of this offense. So Brian Dable can start scheming things up and saying, okay, uh, when we have all these guys out on the field and they're double teaming Stefan Diggs, here's what I can do with John Brown, or here's how I can put someone uh, in a spot where they're both uh, Diggs and Brown on the same side of the field, this, that, or the other. Just little things like that. Start working in different plays that you think could be valuable come time of the playoffs because, you know, the, there could be some pretty good defenses that the Bills are matched up with on Wild Card Weekend, and, and you want to take advantage of any mismatches you can see. So get them back out there. Get them back into a little bit of a groove. But in terms of chemistry, I don't think that's going to be an issue. But you definitely want it to get all of your weapons out there on the field because right now the Bills have – uh, arguably uh, a top three wide receiver room in the NFL in terms of guys that are healthy, guys that are coming back in the way that they've played. You, you have Cole Beasley on the verge of a thousand yard season, already has career highs. Diggs already has a you know single season Bills record for receptions. He's on his way to a, a career year. And then obviously we know what John Brown is and can be and Gabriel Davis as well as having a great rookie season 
uh, especially when you consider where he was drafted, Isaiah McKenzie, the list goes on and on. So get them out there, figure out what you can do, how you can scheme that, you know, this, these guys up together. We know this is a pass happy offense, but if you can get four wide receiver sets, five wide receiver sets in these last two weeks and really experiment with that a little bit here and there, that could really uh, pay off big time come playoffs. All right. We are going to take a quick break. We will be right back and we're going to talk more about this game and seen a little, a lot of comments about the Kansas City Chiefs and that interesting game against the Atlanta Falcons today. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Ready for football? Tops is with ready to serve fan favorites. Everyone will cheer for delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. All right, before we get uh, to the Kansas City game, I want to talk a little bit about that. It was, uh, I watched a, a bit of it today this weekend is um or if you go back to week eight and when the bills you know you know escaped really with a 24 21 win i mean the the new england patriots were driving on that last play but or on that last series but you go back to that game and and what this bill's defense looked like in that game no micah hyde um matt milano was still playing on a pitch count and still wearing that uh shoulder strap and there was there was actually one play in particular where uh, he went to go make a tackle on a third down and looked just absolutely uncomfortable. And 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 it was I I I think it was the next week he ended up going on injured reserve. Uh, and then they were still running at trotting out uh, Trent Trent Murphy for a big chunk of snaps. And which you know that role has obviously been assumed by the rookie AJ Epinesa, Daryl Johnson a bit as well. Um, this is a different defense and a defense that has really started to get comfortable playing together. And Leslie Frazier has spent a lot of time in recent weeks talking about, you know, the importance of in a year like this with no offseason program to onboard, you know, Josh Norman and Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler and Mario Addison, even the veterans in that group, you know, without that, you know, that period of time to really get everybody on the same page they kind of knew what they were getting into. It was going to be slow out of the gates. And now they're healthy. Tremaine Edmonds is healthy. Matt Milano looks pretty healthy. Tredavious White is healthy. Don't forget, he was dealing with that injury where he missed the Titans game, and it almost looked like he was hampered a little bit in a few weeks after that. This defense is healthy now from front to back, and and I think that could be a big problem for Cam Newton on, on Monday night. Yeah, and you already mentioned some of the replacements in, in terms of A.J. Epineza and the fact that he's flashed a lot more than what we were seeing out of Trent Murphy. Uh, Daryl Johnson making a big play and run defense a few weeks ago. You have Vernon Butler playing pretty well uh, that defensive tackle spot right now. So th- they are. They're getting – they're gelling, and that's what you wanted to see. And I guess without the offseason, uh, with, with the fact that there was a lot of moving parts due to opt-outs and injuries, you didn't get to see what this defense could really become – uh, until the, recently and until they've started to play a little bit better over this second uh, ha- half of the season. So this defense that played fairly well against New England, uh, you know, like you said, they kind of held on at the end, Justin Zimmer making a big play, stripping Cam Newton of the ball. Uh, I think that they're more positioned to make plays here on, on Monday night. I think that the run defense, although they can, they can still be beat there a little bit, uh, that's looked better over the last few weeks. And, and then if Cam Newton tries to pass, one, he has limited weapons. That's been the story of the entire season as is. But two, Buffalo secondary is playing with a lot more confidence as well. So not just health-wise, but you look at Taron Johnson, you look at Levi Wallace. I feel like right now they're both playing it with a lot of confidence. 
uh, missed opportunities for interceptions, uh, you know, as recently as last week, but they're making plays on the ball. They're, they're in the right position. They're reading the quarterback well. So I, I do think that Buffalo's defense could really step up and make life really difficult for Cam Newton tomorrow night. Um, so you look at where the, the Patriots, you know, not only had success in the first matchup, but where they're really good in general. And I think that even though they've been kind of trying to find themselves defensively with, you know, all the opt-outs that you mentioned, guys in and out of the lineup, I still think that they can be dangerous up front on the defensive line. And that's one matchup that I'm I'm really intrigued to watch because if you go back to the first game, Mitch Morse went out in the first series. They had to kind of uh, flip uh, flip things around a little bit. They went to Ryan Bates for a series and then moved over Feliciano and brought in Ike Bucker. You know, I, I think that that's a key matchup in this game is, is how do the Bills match up with their front? I mean, you know, Lawrence Guy, um, Dietrich Wise, Brian Coward. I, I, I know the injury report is, is uh, obnoxiously long with uh, all types of different names on there. You put up a, a fun post on that yesterday. But, you know, I think that that's going to be one of the keys of the game. And if this running game can continue the success it had the first time around, I think they're going to have to continue to win those matchups up front. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned it, though. There were so many moving pieces in this last game. Morse goes out, Feliciano, Ryan Bates, Ike Butker. Now you look at this line. And a lot of those names that we just mentioned have eased into their roles. Now, Ryan Bates, not so much, still more of that rotational depth piece. But you have Ike Bucker playing pretty good football at left guard. You have John Feliciano settled in at right guard. You have Mitch Morse back. The fact that the Bills are able to run with so much success with that makeshift line that they put together on the fly in week eight is promising for this game. The fact that you have your interior uh, lineman back, the fact that Darrell Williams at, at right tackle is a, is a full go. The fact that Deion Dawkins is having a great season. So, Buffalo was able to run the ball down New England's throat very well in week eight. And I think that it's still going to be a big part of the game plan uh, this this week as well. And I know a lot of fans probably want to see Josh Allen sling it around 35, 40 times. Uh, but I still think you're going to find more balance in a game like this because New England's coming off of a game where they let up 250 yards on the ground to the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo saw that. Buffalo saw how successful they were last week. And, and let's be honest here. With a home playoff game just a few weeks away, you want to make sure that that run game is clicking because you might be in a snowstorm. You might be in heavy winds at Bill's Stadium, and you're going to need to lean on the run a little bit more than maybe you did during the regular season. So use this game to get that run game going, to show that you can run on a team like New England and then maybe kind of replicate it again the next week when you are at home at Bill's Stadium against the Miami Dolphins. Don't go run heavy. Don't revert back to 2018, 2019. But at the same time, get those guys their, their workload to make sure that they're comfortable come playoff time as well. Who, like, you know, who are you expecting to um, get the lion's share of the carries tomorrow? Do you think it's going to be uh, what we've kind of seen in, in that, you know, they, they kind of split between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss? Do you feel like Zach Moss is emerging as maybe – the bell cow and we'll start to get more uh, consistent, uh, heavier workload. Because from my perspective, uh, I've been hesitant to give up on Devin Singletary uh, in terms of being the featured back or at least being, you know, a strong part of that, you know, dual threat running back room. But 
you know, you, you go back and watch some of these recent games and Zach Moss is running with an aggression. He's running with a purpose. He's, he's starting to implement some of that physicality that we expected when they drafted him. And I think this is the kind of game where you kind of let that physical downhill runner go a little bit and, you know, maybe give him 20 carries in, in this game. I don't know. I still think it'll be closer to a split personally, just be based on what we've seen. Even last week where Zach Moss had an unbelievable drive late in the game to, to take a lot of time off the clock, uh, moving the chains a few times. At the very end of the game, following the onside kick, it was Devin Singletary who was in there who took that uh, that carry right to the house. So I, I think that you know both guys are going to get their opportunities. Both guys are going to probably get a split workload. And it's definitely one of the matchups to watch. Uh, but for me, it's going to go back again to, I think, Cole Beasley. Uh, I think that Bill Belichick is going to try to do everything in his power to take Stefan Diggs out of this game. I think that while the Bills are going to run the ball and try to get John Brown involved, you still need to go to one of your workhorses, one of your guys that has helped you move the chains all year long, and that's Cole Beasley. And in a way, it's going to be one of those um, – I kind of talked about it with that Monday night football promo where the bills are the only team featured. It's kind of a, a turning of the tide. How many years did we see those slot receivers just absolutely kill the bills year in year out? Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, you name it. Now it's Buffalo's turn to do that. Utilize Cole Beasley, get him 10 plus targets. When you do, he usually hauls in, uh, you know, I th- if you get him 10, he usually hauls in about eight of them and, and does quite a bit with it. So utilize him to get the the passing game going. That might open up some things for Diggs and Brent on the outside. It'll also help you out in the run game. Everything goes hand in hand here. So, you know, while I think going back to the running game argument, I think it'll still be a split there. Everything needs to be going at at 100% here tomorrow night as you get closer and closer to the playoffs. Is there a matchup that you're looking forward to tomorrow night? You know, uh, I mean, I mentioned Diggs earlier in the show. I'm very interested to see what they do. if they put JC Jackson on him 100% have him kind of travel with them a little bit. I, I like their sec- secondary a little, uh, even still, I, I know I, I took them in a, in a dynasty keeper league uh, earlier this year. And people were like, what are you, what are you doing? And, and, and my thought process on that was they have a pretty good young secondary. And one guy in particular that I'm really interested to see in this matchup now that he's had some time to maybe grow as a rookie is Kyle Duggar. Uh, who we spent a lot of time talking about in the draft process, how they can utilize him. Um, I think that there could be a creative way that Bill Belichick schemes up a way to, you know, utilize him to try to keep Josh Allen in check. I mean, this is a game I still think against Bill Belichick in the uh, in the confusing, disguising ways that he he tends to scheme uh, against young quarterbacks. I know Josh Allen is in the MVP conversation, but you know, still uh, plenty of things that he hasn't seen in this league. I think that, you know, Josh Allen could still look to be a runner at times in this game. And and Kyle Duggar is a physical uh, safety that, you know, can kind of play that big nickel role and, you know, has some linebacker features. So he's somebody at least, you know, maybe not matchup wise, but somebody to, that I want to keep an eye on in this game uh, throughout. Let's talk a little bit about some of these AFC uh, matchups. I know that, uh, you know, we could, we've been talking about potential matchups for weeks now. You know, we saw a Kansas City team today against Atlanta. And by the way, Atlanta's defense, if you haven't been paying attention, I think their defense has been playing really well the last month. I mean, they're, 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 they, they've had a couple games the, the last couple weeks where I thought that, you know, that they kept them in games. And, you know, Matt Ryan seems really limited in what, what he's able to do, even with the playmakers that he has. So I wasn't super surprised that they sh- 
they shut down uh, Patrick Mahomes in this offense for a big chunk. But I think to the point of some of the commenters here, they do look, they don't look nearly the, the fierce beast uh, consistently, especially in the last couple of weeks that they have, you know, in recent years. I mean, you go back to the way that they went in the playoffs last year and they were just absolutely smoking team. I think that there's, there's definitely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There should be optimism among Bills fans with the belief that your team can go blow for blow with this Kansas City Chiefs team. Yeah, they, they look a little bit more vulnerable than they did last year. You know, they went into some of these games and they they got themselves in early holes in the playoffs and they were able to just still blow the teams out of the water when it was all said and done. I don't know if this team can do that. And they still have a ton of talent. That's the odd thing. But like you mentioned, Mahomes hasn't looked right. He's thrown some some bad interceptions these last few weeks against Miami, uh, against Atlanta, and, and kudos to Raheem Morris kind of getting them going that team in the interim role. I know it's a it's a business where win, winning is what matters most, but he really has done a nice job since becoming that interim head coach there, making them more competitive than what we were seeing earlier on in the year. Uh, but the big thing is, it's in any given Sunday or Saturday, whenever, you know, obviously the, the playoff games will be played on Saturdays and Sundays, but all it takes is one off day to knock a team like the Chiefs out of the playoffs. And they showed just this week that it can happen to them against a team like the Atlanta Falcons, who has playmakers on both sides of the ball, but they are not a playoff team. They are not a quality team in this in the, the league this year. So if Atlanta can almost pull out a win like that, why can't Buffalo? Why can't some of these other teams like the Titans or, or uh, one of these wild card teams, if, if it comes to that? I, I think that there's an opportunity. This is not like last year where I think most people are expecting almost putting in Sharpie, the Chiefs is the AFC represented for the Super Bowl. Are they still the favorite? Yes, absolutely. But it's not as guaranteed, in my in my opinion at least, as it was one year ago. All right, prediction time, Ryan. Monday Night Football, Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. Hit me with it. What, what are you picking here in this game? I'm going to go with the Bills 27-13. Uh, I just think that there's too much talent on, on Buffalo's roster, offense, defense, special teams uh, for New England to be able to, to completely take them out of the game. Bill Belichick will keep things close at least for a half. Kind of, you know, maybe kind of similar to what the Broncos did. The Broncos had some lucky breaks go their way last week before Buffalo really uh, blew them out in the second half. But I, I could see Belichick keeping it close for the first half before Buffalo kind of finally pulls away late, a la like they did against the uh, 49ers where they doubled them up or Pittsburgh where they kind of pulled away there in the second half. I could see that playing out again here on Monday Night Football. All right, I'm close. I'm going with... Maybe a bit of a blowout here. 31-10 Buffalo. I I just don't like what I've seen the last couple of games from this New England offense. I think they're going to struggle to move the ball consistently. I think the way that Cam's erratic passing has been going, I mean, he's ripe to be picked off a couple times in this game. Uh, you saw him turn it over last time they played. And I just think that there's too many um, – answers for Josh Allen at this point. You know, if, if something's not working, whether it be the run game, whether it be, you know, certain receivers, if John Brown returns in this game, I mean, he's going to have his full arsenal of weapons at his disposal with a healthy offensive line that especially in pass protection has been, you know, really, really good, you know, uh, most of the season and, and strong the last few weeks. So I think the bills uh, get it done here in convincing fashion. Now they cannot clinch 
the number two seed this week. And it looks like at this point now, the Pittsburgh Steelers won this week. They're going to have to win next week to this week and next week uh, to, to secure that number two seed, which, um, you know, if the, if the Steelers win uh, again next week, if they finish, if they end in a tie, the bills obviously have the advantage because head to head uh, and we'll, we'll track what's going on with Tennessee tonight. But I think, Bills fans should be rooting for the Titans to lose tonight so that they're just kind of out of the equation. Because I think the Pittsburgh Steelers could lose next week and the Bills could lose next week. They win it this week, obviously, and, and they still end up with the two seed. Yeah, things are kind of a bit of a jumbled mess here in the AFC going into the final week of the season in terms of who's going to be seated where, who's going to be playing who. Uh, we, we saw the Dolphins jump all the way up to the fifth seed today. Uh, going into tonight's matchup, we, we now see a scenario where the Browns could fall out of the playoffs. Uh, you have Indy on the outside looking in, but a matchup against Jacksonville. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out because there's a, going to be a lot of interesting matchups. Does Baltimore sneak into the playoffs? How's it all going to work at the end of the day? It's definitely going to be something to monitor. But in terms of the Bills themselves, yeah, if they handle their own business, if they win out, uh, then they are the number two seed in the AFC, which was huge because it would mean not only one possible home playoff game, but two at minimum if they win the first one. And then depending on what happens to the Chiefs, there could even be an AFC championship game in Western New York, which would be absolutely crazy to think about. And I have seen in the comments asking about the fans, my personal gut feeling, I, I think that they're going to work together to come up with some kind of solution, but I think we'll know more by the middle of this week. Definitely. And I, I think if you were asking me my gut feeling, I'd say that we'd end up with some type of plan that includes some some presence of fans uh, in the stands, which is just an awesome development. I mean, listen, nobody's a bigger proponent for doing this thing as safe as possible and, and mitigating you know risk. But I think that it's been done pretty prevalently across the league all season, you know, where teams have shown that, you know, for, for the most part, I have not seen any research that's shown that, the, that these events are, are are considered super spreader events uh, with the way that they've done it and space people out and limited uh, folks, uh, the number of folks. And obviously they're going to be masked up in the plan that the bills uh, put into the, to the, to the state. So we'll, we'll track that, keep it locked on the nyupsyracuse.com. Uh, for information on that, this weekend's game, we will have full coverage over at the site tomorrow. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Matt Perino, at Ryan Talbot Bills. Until then, hit me with your final thought, Ryan. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, send us out of here with something interesting. Yeah, final thought. You know, all I've seen on social media probably the last week is I hope the Bills don't play this team or I hope they don't get matched up. Listen, it should be the other way around. The other fan bases that are in the wild card spots, they're the ones that should be saying, I hope we don't get matched up with Buffalo. Right now, Buffalo has checked every box off of what you want to see. Don't go into the playoffs with the, the same old Bills mentality of, I hope we don't get matched up with Baltimore because of Lamar Jackson. He's a dual threat. Or the Browns because of their one-two punch at running back. Yes, any given Sunday, one of those teams could knock off the Bills and end their season first weekend of the playoffs. I'm not saying that's not a possibility. But Buffalo has shown time and time again this year that they are a legitimate threat to make a deep run in the playoffs. So stop thinking in that old way of, oh, I hope we don't play against this team. It's the other way around. These other teams, these other fan bases do not want to come into Buffalo in January because of the way the Bills are playing and because, as Steve Tasker said, it might be chilly. Oh, look at this guy. You, you sent us out with a bang. I don't have to say anything else. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. Make sure you get right back here tomorrow night. We'll be live at about 
12.15, a.m. Tuesday morning to break it all down. Uh, Bills and Patriots tomorrow night, 8.15 on ESPN. Enjoy it. Until then, have a great night. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store,